and when I wrote him the check after we sold it for almost 300000 you know what I put in the memo, right? <laughs> the check, big capital letters, go big or go home. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible, and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and this is a show all about getting the best real estate investing advice ever from our guests, our very experienced best ever guests. We've had Barbara Corcoran on the show from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Jay Papazon uh, from Keller Williams. And today we've got David Hunstein. How you doing, Dave? I'm great, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Glad you're on the show. And I know Dave through a mutual friend and we've known each other for I think like a year or so. Dave is also raising money and buying multifamily properties with investors and sharing in the profits, otherwise known as deal syndication. He's based in Long Island, New York. He's managed over $5 million in assets, and he's focused, as I mentioned, on multifamily. He has over 15 years of experience in real estate. Um, his first deal was 112 unit. He has successfully exited that. He'll talk about um, his first syndicated deal. And then he recently closed on an 82 unit, his next deal. So we'll talk a little bit about that. One additional fact about Dave, non-real estate related, is he is a retired police officer, so uh, first and foremost, thank you for your service, Dave. No problem, Joe. Thank you. So Dave, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Like you said, I'm a retired police officer. In addition to that, I, I, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. My wife and I have been in the restaurant business for 15 years as well. We, we currently still are. We own a restaurant on the eastern end of Long Island, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which uh, takes a lot of my life's time up. Which is a pretty demanding, pretty demanding business. But like you said, I'm a retired police officer, and now I'm a full-time real estate investor. 
I do uh, mainly concentrate on apartment buildings uh, in Ohio at the moment, and I also do single-family rentals in on Long Island. Uh, I have about seven single families on Long Island and currently 82 units in Ohio. About six months ago, I sold 112 units in Trotwood, Ohio, which was our first apartment, large apartment deal, and we we made out really well. It was an excellent, excellent deal that we you know made out really well. So I'm I'm looking to continue to grow my portfolio. So you did 112 units. What were the numbers behind it? We purchased that complex in February 2013. We purchased it for two million three hundred fifty thousand. We Further stabilized the. Uh, it was it was in fairly good condition when we bought it, but we further stabilized it. And one of the large things that we did, we submitted the water and sewer when we purchased it. The landlord was paying water and sewer, which was about a sixty thousand dollar expense. And we brought a third party company in that actually put individual meters in each apartment. So we turned that expense over to the tenants, and that was a huge, huge increase in NOI for us. And my partners in the deal uh, decided that they wanted to to put it on the market to kind of test the waters. And uh, we wound up selling it in 19 months for just under $3 million, $2.975 million in 19 months. 2.975. And how long was it on the market? Three months. We decided to, we were actually looking to cash out refi it. And we were approved for an FHA, very attractive FHA loan. And the Believe it or not, the, the underwriter for the bank was telling us uh, what he thought it would appraise at, and my um, partners and I decided we wanted to throw it on the market and, for three months and, and see what happened type of thing. And uh, if it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, we'll refi it three months. We didn't think that rates were going to go anywhere uh, at the time. And we wound up uh, a week before we were going to pull it off the market. We got an all-cash offer from a, a gentleman out of California, and uh, we closed in 30 days. And what type of returns did that give you? You mentioned you purchased it for 2.35. I guess the only other large number would be how much money did you put into it? So how much cash total out of pocket were you? Between me and three of my partners, we put of our own money, we put 450,000 and we have a small second mortgage on it for another 150. So all total we put in 600, but only 450 of our own capital. How did you get that second mortgage? It was actually through a family member that was looking to, uh, he did not want to be an equity partner, asked if he could lend us some money, you know, on a straight interest loan. And, uh, you know, I believe we did like a 5% loan or something close to that. And he was happy and we were happy. And we got second mortgage and it worked for everybody, you know. When you mentioned you stabilized it and submetered the water and sewer Mm -hmm. by putting individual meters for each apartment, how does that work? How do you go about that? What's the process? The company comes in, and not every apartment complex can be submetered just by the, the way that the plumbing comes into each apartment. Luckily for us, this complex was eligible for it. They come in, they put a small meter where the water comes into each apartment. They put a small meter that's actually Wi-Fi. They set up a complete network throughout the complex. This was 23 buildings. Uh, it was more like a residential feel to it. It wasn't you know, one or two giant buildings. It was 23, four, and six plexes, basically. And uh, they set up an entire network with Wi-Fi repeaters, and, and each there was a server in our office, and 
message was. It you know wirelessly you know read it and, and sent it back to the server. And uh, the third, actually, the third party company that, that installed the meters did all the billing for us and sent out the bills directly to the tenant. So we didn't even have to do that. How much did it cost you out of pocket? It cost us roughly $24,000 to have the entire place sub meter. This just was a no-brainer for us because we were paying 60000 a year out of our income. So for less than half of what our yearly expense was for water sewer, we were able to install the meters and uh, pass that on to the tenant. Now, you know, everyone was under a year lease, so it's not like you can just automatically knock on somebody's door and say, oh, by the way, you're, you're <laughs> paying water and sewer now. So you had to you know, initiate that charge either on a you know a lease renewal or on a on a new tenant type of thing. So it, you know it took about a year to get everybody on it. But once you have everybody on it, it's really really a great uh, a great investment. And honestly, I think that's what's sold the, the particular gentleman that that bought it. I think that's what sold him on. He was very excited that all of that cost was on the tenant. Did you have any, was it $24,000 cash out of pocket just right out of the gate, or was there some sort of financing that you did with them? No, I actually negotiated financing with the uh, with this particular company. We did a third down, and we, we worked out a financing deal where at 7% for two years, they let us pay off the balance, and we wound up paying it off at, at closing, obviously, because we didn't even... We had known it for two years after that, but the company did finance it for us, third down and the rest at 7% over two years, which the payment for that was still less than the 60000 You know, we were paying the approximately 5000 a month we were paying. The payment was roughly $1,800 or something like that. I forget what it was. But, uh, so even during the first two years, we were much, much better ahead, even with the payment. And how do you determine, I know you said there are certain apartment communities that can't be submetered, but how do you determine if the rental market will withstand you increase? It's basically a rent increase for the residents because they're paying more out of pocket. How do you determine that? And what research did you do beforehand? Well, out here in Dayton and Cincinnati, where, where I'm primarily investing in, um, it's becoming more of the norm than, than not. Some landlords are doing a straight surcharge where they, you know, are just charging a set fee for either per apartment or however many tenants you have in the apartment. Let's say they charge you twenty dollars an apartment and then an additional, you know, five, seven, eight dollars per additional tenant over one. That's a way to do it. But what I'm trying to say is, it, you're seeing it more and more out here. So tenants are more; they're used to seeing it. And uh, it's just, you know, with the, with the price of water, I mean, the first year we owned that complex, water went up 9%. It's just become so expensive that the landlord can't, you know, eat that cost every year anymore. And more and more people are doing it, which makes it easier for the tenant to accept, should I say. I know it was a little while since you had the properties, about a, a year or so ago, I believe. But do you remember what the, like, what the average rents were, roughly? One bedrooms were roughly four fifty. We had some uh, two bedroom gardens, which were five twenty nine, and two bedroom townhomes, which were five seventy nine. Let's use the one bedroom example. If their rents about four hundred and fifty bucks on average, how much is that water bill going to cost them every month? Really dependent on the tenant. Some people were, you know, fifteen dollars. 
plus the you know it all depends on on personal usage obviously but and how many tenants were in in the apartment actually but uh we had some tenants most tenants were very happy because they were they were only being charged what they personally used versus where a surcharge you know somebody that uses a lot less water than their neighbor sometimes they get a little upset you know i use so much Plus water, he you know he washes his car every day or whatever the case may be. This way, they're only getting charged for exactly what they're using, which you know a lot of people like. What were the ranges? What would you say is the low and the high range that you saw that people were being charged? Honestly, Joe, I I really can't answer that because we didn't handle the bills. Ah, got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they were directly billed from the third party company. Uh, the only time we'd see a bill is if they didn't pay the bill, then it would become our responsibility to go after them. What would you say, how many people out of the 112, or I guess what percentage, because I know all 112 weren't initially on it, and what was the process? What do you do? Basically the same process we would do for rent. You know, after, when the bill would get turned over to us, we would, you know, my office manager would knock on the door, contact, you know, call them whatever way they needed to to contact the tenant. And it's basically the same method we had as when they didn't pay their rent. Three days after that, they'd get a notice. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, they would start the eviction process. But most of the times, you know, if not all all the times, they'd pay the water bill. It's not that big of a bill. They just needed a little, little help, you know, a little push to pay it sometimes. They don't get their water cut off, do they? No, we didn't do that. Unfortunately, uh, the shuttles for these buildings were inside their apartments. Without putting an actual lock on it, we didn't, we didn't really want to get into that. You know what I mean? And again, we, we didn't have that problem because once we gave them a little push, they paid the bill. It wasn't that much money. What was the communication like with them leading up to submetering it from when they weren't being charged water? In that complex, we actually started a surcharge first. I don't know if I mentioned that. We started a surcharge first, and the way that we approached the having the meters installed, we, we sent out a questionnaire to all the tenants saying, basically, you know, you're being charged a surcharge right now, so you're not necessarily paying for, you know, what the exact amount you use. And then we asked them, would you like to pay only for exactly what you use? We kind of made it in a, <laughs> you know, a couple questions. You know what I mean? A couple questions, yes or no. And, you know, I'd say 90-plus percent answered, yes, they want, only want to pay for exactly what they use. So then we signed the contract with the meter company, and we sent out another letter to all the tenants, kind of like a, you know, you spoke and we listen type of letter, and let them know that, you know, over the next couple of weeks, our maintenance tech, along with a plumber, is going to be coming in and installing meters, and now you'll only pay for, you know, explaining the whole process. You'll only pay for exactly what you use, and you'll be getting a separate bill directly from the company, and that's how we did it. Interesting. We kind of made it, made them feel a part of it, which which they were. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, the, the guy with the 120-gallon fish tank, he was one of the only guys that wasn't too happy about the, uh, <laughs> the submetering. But for the most part, everybody else liked it. Oh, man. That's a lot of gallons of water right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he moved. I think he moved in two months. Yes, I imagine he would. <laughs> Well, Dave, we've talked about a lot, and I, I want to quickly ask you, because I know we're running short on time, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate advice 
is don't do this by yourself. Have a team. When I first started, I was very close-minded, and I, I wanted to do everything myself. I just could say I was a bit of a control freak. I, I just I didn't want partners. I didn't want not that I thought I knew everything, but I just I just wanted to do it on my own. And I learned very quickly in this business if you want to grow and diversify risk, you need the help of others. I have a great great team of whether it be you know your attorney, your broker, your mortgage guy, whatever it is reach out to these people and uh, let them help you. It really, really, you know, I, I was very against partners when I first started. And uh, now I have some of the best partners I can dream of. And they have different skills that maybe I'm not as good at and vice versa. And, and you really, really, it's really beneficial. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And it's more fun, too. It's more fun because you're doing it together. Absolutely. And it's always good to have, you know, two, three, four sets of eyes looking at a deal, and, you know, maybe you missed something or, or you didn't think of something and, you know, somebody else brings it up, wow, I didn't even think of that, you know, and uh, it just it's just a much, it's tremendous help, you know. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. I'm ready. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. One of our past best ever guests, Josh Cantwell, you can check out his episode in uh, episode JF156. It's titled Discover the Hidden Rules of Raising Private Money. Well, he has been nice enough to offer the best ever listeners a free guide that is the 55 simple ways to find real estate deals. So if you're struggling to find great real estate deals to flip, to rehab, to buy and hold or to wholesale, you can end all of your frustration and you can get these 55 proven strategies for finding these smoking hot deals in your market. And this is all free. I've gone to uh, this website and downloaded it myself and uh, read through it. And I've learned uh, many things from this um, on just kind of helpful tips to uh, get more deals. Um, so you can go to 55simpleways.com forward slash Joe. That's 55-S-I-M-P-L-E-W-A-Y-S dot com forward slash Joe and get this guide called the 55 Proven Strategies for Finding Deals. And again, it's free. It's, it's really no brainer. Go grab it and um, you're going to learn something. I promise you that. 55simpleways.com forward slash Joe. Dave, what's the best ever book you've read? I would have to say Rich Dad Poor Dad, Joe. That really changed my way of thinking tremendously. I was a big saver, and, uh, you know, my father was an entrepreneur all his life. He was very successful, but he was a saver, and uh, that's the way I was brought up. And, you know, just learning how to leverage and, uh, really changed my way of thinking. I hated, I hated debt, but, you know, learning the difference between good debt and bad debt really changed, yep. my, uh, changed my entire investing career, you know. And best ever listeners, you can go listen to Robert Kiyosaki's conversation with you all. If you haven't heard it already, he's been a guest on the show. Just Google Robert Kiyosaki, Joe Fairless. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? 
first one. Well, I have to say basically what I just had said about opening myself up to other people's help. Just, you know, bringing on partners. There's a lot of deals that I've done since, you know, in my career that some of them I definitely would not have done without partners. Just whether it be, you know, I don't want to say they talk, you know, talk me into it per se, but just it's much more, you're much more comfortable when, like I said, you have two, three, four sets of eyes. You know, looking at deals, underwriting them just helps a lot. And I've grown a lot to be able to do that. And now I, I, I absolutely love, you know, doing deals with with other, you know, couldn't do it any other way. Best ever deal you've done? That would be the, uh, the Broadmoor Apartments, that 112 unit deal. We more than doubled each investor's money. And I had one partner in that deal that was kind of, you know, he, he didn't want to do that deal. He thought it was too big. And we gave him the option to obviously to, to not do it. You know, he's the type of guy. No, no, I'll do it. But uh, he just just remember, I said this. You know, if this thing goes bad, that type of guy. You know. So I had sent out an email to, to the, my partners. We were looking at two deals at the time, and, and one was a 48 unit, and this one was 112. And I said, to, I sent out an email, going back and forth, which deal we were going to do. And I sent out an email. All I wrote was, "Go big or go home." And uh, I like this deal a lot better. It was a much, much better deal, in my opinion. So uh, that's all I wrote. And <laughs> my other partners wrote, I'm in. And, you know, this guy was complaining, and, but, but he wound up doing the deal with us. So he had put, I believe, 135000 of his own money in the deal. And when I wrote him the check after we sold it for almost 300000 you know what I put in the memo, right? <laughs> the check, big capital letters, go big or go home. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Wasn't that a nice feeling? Was I bet it's such a nice feeling, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I took a photo of it and I actually put it in a frame and I I uh I have it hanging in my office. <laughs> What's the best ever project you're most excited about right now? I have to say that the the eighty two unit we just closed on. See. It's a little undermanaged property. Uh it was an elderly couple that owned it. Uh, they've owned it for twenty two years and they were looking to retire. I think they were just tired. Real nice people, but there's a lot of upside to this deal, and I'm really excited about getting it further stabilized and you know maximizing its potential. There's a lot of room for potential in this place. What's the best ever way you'd like to give back? I like helping other you know new investors with anything to do with real estate. I love talking about real estate, and I, and I even if it's something as simple as helping somebody buy their first home, I just enjoy just helping somebody whether it be jumping into one of my deals or they're looking to do a deal on their own, you know, buy their first single family rental. It just, I love to help try to get them started. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? <laughs> About, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, I did my first flip, single family on the Eastern and Long Island. And it's before I had any, I invested in a lot of education over the years, all over the country. And this was pre that. And uh, I bought a house for her. It was listed for five hundred thousand. I bought it for four hundred. I thought I was doing great, and I put way too much money into it. I put over a hundred thousand dollars into the house. I changed way too much, and this was just a bad timing. The market started dipping at the same time I was pumping money into this house, and uh, we lost about fifty thousand on it when we finally <laughs> when we finally sold it. And then uh, you know I realized. I need to uh, invest in some education and learn how to do this the correct way instead of just fly by, you know, willy-nilly. <laughs> you know? I hear you. Yep. 
knock on wood, that's the, that's the only time that I've lost money. And, and you know, 10, 12 plus deals later, it's, it's tremendous just learning how to do it right. And again, you know, having the right team. And what's the best ever place to reach you, Dave? I can be reached. Uh, my website for my syndication business is DaytonEquityPartners.com, D-A-Y-T-O-N, EquityPartners.com. My email is Dave at DaytonEquity.com, and my direct line is 631-466-8776. All right, Dave. Well, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about deal syndication and in particular going through a case study in detail with the 112 unit where you purchased it for $2.35 million and you ended up selling it 19 months later for $2.975 and primarily attributing that increase in value to the stabilizing and sub-metering the water and sewer and how you are essentially saving that 60,000, roughly 60,000. I'm sure some of those, some of that water is common, but the water that isn't common expense, common water that you saved on the expense by bringing in a third-party company and individually metering each of the units and then talking through how you communicated to the residents. First, you did a surcharge and then you did sub-metering and you did that questionnaire where you asked them, you know, you're not paying the exact amount you use, would you like to? And then sending them the second note, you spoke, we listened, and talking through kind of how you were adding the value for that property. And then, you know, the, the project they've got going on now and the lesson learned with the, the flip and how to kind of look at the market and don't over-improve a property more than it needs to kind of go in, make it happen, and use, clearly use the learnings from that consciously or subconsciously with the 112 unit because you could have kept pumping more money into that 112 unit, tried to increase the value or sat on it, but instead you got out, got the investors a return, a very, very favorable return on their money and then moved on to the next project, which we're working on now. So thanks so much for being on the show. It was nice meeting you at Starbucks earlier today. And I'm looking forward to talking to you soon and seeing you and hanging out later. Joe, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.